You are listening to Time to Revive. This show is designed to help you get the confidence to share your faith in everyday life. The music in the background is Revival from Third Day. My name is Angie, and here we are once again to dig into Scripture and to just help you grow as a Christian, as a body of Christ. We are the church, and today that is what we're talking about. We are here in the studio. Mark Bird from Revive Ohio is my cohort in all of this. And Mark, today we're talking about, we're talking really to the churches. Right. Because... We're talking to churches, we're talking to individuals, and we're talking to a church as a whole. Now, the whole point of what we're saying today is for the sake of the gospel. This is the key words that we're starting on. Let's start it all off. What does that mean? Yeah, Angie, I think we have to start and look at, first of all, look at the church. Let's focus specifically on the church, the body of Christ. Okay, the church is who Jesus loved. And still loves. And it's not a building. It's not a denomination. It's not an individual. It's us as a whole, the believers. Yes, it's his people. And I want us to look for just a second at the division that is in our church, right? In the church. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but there are typically 41,000 Christian denominations on planet Earth today. So sometimes I almost want to just strip away The terminology. Yes. We are all believers. Right. Okay. We're all disciples of Christ. If we thought of ourselves as believers, doesn't that unify us more behind the common thing? We're believers in what? We're believers in Christ and what he's done for us. So wouldn't that make more sense to strip away these other, we're not a Methodist, we're not a Baptist, we're not a Foursquare. Right. We're a believer. We're a believer in Christ. Right. And I want to talk about and focus us on unity today and how powerful that is in God's eyes. Because again, if you think about that, Angie, I'm looking at it. If you're a non-believer and you're looking at the church and the church is divided into 41,000 pieces, I would have to ask myself, well, which one's right? And and they have to make a decision as to which one they go to. Right. Why not just go To church. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. This is going to take us to Psalm 133 to begin with today, Angie. And I love it because I've read this Psalm lots and lots of times. And then finally, one day the Lord illuminated what this is really all about today. I used to think about this from the perspective of a worship leader. Of course, I love the first verse says, behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Mm. I'm like, well, that's great because in a worship service, we can sing and we can be united. Yeah. But then he goes on and verse two starts. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. And here's how it ends. For there, the Lord commanded the blessing and life evermore. And the interesting thing about this, Angie, because I read this the first time thinking, okay, yeah, it is good for us to dwell together in unity. But really, what does that have to do with oil on Aaron's beard? And really, what does that have to do with dew on a mountain? Honestly. Yeah. So what is that all about? And then you got the very end of verse three that says there, the Lord commands the blessing. Where is he commanding the blessing? Upon the oil on Aaron's beard, upon the dew of the mountains, 
How about on the unity? Unity, ah, yes. Yeah, he's commanding blessing upon the unity. So every one of us as Christians, we would say, hey, who wants to sign up for God's blessing today? (laughs) Right? We would all run and hopefully sign up for that right away. Lord, I want your blessing. And then he's saying, hey, you know what? How good and pleasant it is for you guys to live, dwell, be together in unity. And so we're calling the believers who, who follow Christ to come together in unity. Yes. We are, we're gathered around him and his sacrifice. That's what we're basically doing. And it's for his sake. Absolutely. It is for for the sake sake. of the gospel, gospel being good news. And some people may not buy into that right away, Angie. So then I like to take us to John chapter 17, where Jesus actually prays for the believers. Oh, yes. Do He prays for us. And as we'll uh, look at this today, we'll see that he's praying for unity. I'm starting in verse 20 of John chapter 17. And he says, I do not pray for these alone, but I also pray for those who will believe in me through their word. They're the church, the believers. And so he's praying for people who are watching us. He is. Because those are the people who don't yet believe, but they want to, I mean, what is it about the faith, the Christian faith that people want to be part of it? Right. What are we showing them with our actions? And I'm saying all of us, I'm not picking on one denomination or one church. I'm saying all of us, why are we not presenting an attractive, unified, Hey, come join the family type of atmosphere. That's right, Angie. And I'm reminded where Jesus said, you'll know they're mine by their love for one another. Mm, Amen. And love is the best display of unity that I could imagine, right? That I know and understand. But for each other, that's the bottom line. And verse 21 continues that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. Catch this, that they also may be one In us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given to them, that they may be one just as we are one. Again, he's promising us his blessing. He's promising us his glory in order to be one. Amen. Bring it on. I want the glory, Mark. How do we do this? (laughs) Yeah, so let's just read this last verse because... I think this will unpack this a little bit more. I in them, Jesus praying to his father and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one. And again, that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Mm. It is a perfect picture of what unity looks like and what Jesus is praying for. And of course, he's trying to reconcile the world to himself. And he wants to use our unity and love for one another to be the drawing card. Amen. This is what I want to say to believers that are listening is that there is a blessing that you probably don't even realize When we come together now, I go out with my church and we do outreach and we go and pray with people and that's great. But when we have gone out as teams in Revive Ohio, for example, 
we have gone out with people that we don't even know where they go to church. We're right. just believers together for a common purpose. And there's something amazing that happens in that moment. Right. And Angie, you know, one thing that I'll say right off the bat is we're not saying that you need to abandon your doctrines and your individual churches. Listen, that's the beauty of the manifold grace of God. But what I am saying is, can we, the church, for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the good news, which is what Jesus wants to use to reconcile the world to himself. Can we, for his sake, come together and share that good news with the lost, the broken, the hurting, those people that need him? Jesus said, I didn't come to call the righteous, but I come to call the sinners to repentance. And I feel like nowadays, this is something, this is the way that the church is going. I feel like revival is starting to happen more and more. And people are starting to turn their eyes back to God and saying, how do we do this? I feel like this is a movement. I'm hearing it even through music that these artists are writing. They're writing about revival. They're writing about the unity. They're writing about breakthrough. I'm seeing this happen all around us. I feel like this is the movement and we need to jump on with what God's doing. Yeah, and to get on board with Jesus and his prayer here, Angie, it's a revival of unity. Mm, yes. If we can help purport the revival to unity and to oneness and for the sake of the gospel to show the world that Jesus sent us or that God sent Jesus and he's sending us. And Angie, this is interesting because I want to kind of wrap up today with looking at a, a, a letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, the second letter. So this is second Corinthians. This is the first chapter. And I want us to look at this. And I, I like where you're going because the Corinthian church was what I would call a mutt church. I like that. You're right. Because the Corinthian church was made up of people from every different nationality. Yes. And they all came together in this port city. It was a mutt. It was, nobody really understood each other's cultures. They were there to learn about their new faith in Christ. I feel like that's our churches nowadays in the U.S. Yes. We have a bunch of people who don't really understand the different backgrounds that other people have had. And we're all coming together to try to learn the ways of Christ. So I, I think that when we speak about the Corinthian church and Paul's teaching the Corinthian church, we can say this is for us as well. I totally agree, Angie. And if you think about that, when you have all of these different people from different backgrounds and different upbringings and different parts of the world, even as you described, they would be mutts and they would be generally when they first came together, they would be not unified. Right. Right. And so they all have different ways of thinking. They all have these different ideas. And yet Paul is saying, listen, we need to be unified in Christ. And here's what it's going to look like. Amen. I guess for me, Angie, this is the how of the how for the gospel's sake that Paul approached this. Okay. And he writes, starting in verse four of Second Corinthians one, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation or our comfort, that word means 
also abounds through Christ. So even though we have these different troubles, we have these different sufferings, all of us have these different sufferings. He said, we're all comforted by God. We're all comforted through Christ. It says, now, if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings, which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. For our hope for you is steadfast because we know that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so also you will partake of the consolation or of the comfort. So Paul's saying that we endure these sufferings, we endure these hardships, we endure these problems, again, for the gospel's sake. And it's to help one another. Yeah. How much unity comes out of helping one another, Angie? Yeah. Amen. Every time there's a, an event where we come together to help other people, we're all blessed. Absolutely. And plus, we all have to get through this dark world together. This is a sinful world, and we're all trying to walk it out. And it's it's great to be able to do it together and to comfort somebody else who's maybe going through something that you've already gone through. Right. So Paul is exhorting the church here at Corinth. He is exhorting them. Listen, you will be suffering. You will have trouble. You will find yourself in mourning. But listen, here's the comfort that we have. We share the comfort of Christ. Mm. And so he's saying to the Corinthian church, you know what? While we're suffering, let's suffer together, but let's comfort one another. How do you do that? In unity. Mm. Let's comfort one another in unity and share that comfort with others. And what he's saying here for consolation and salvation Right. Let's share that with people who don't know yeah. salvation for those that don't know what salvation is. Let's comfort them. And that's what I think being the church is. Yeah. Being Amen. the church to comfort those who are in need. So what do we find when we go out on the streets, Angie, with Revive? We find those who need comforted. They need hope. They need good news. And again, for the gospel's sake, can we do this for the gospel's sake? And of course, that is for God's sake. Absolutely. Because he wants to reconcile the world to himself. And that's exactly what Jesus was praying for in John 17. And that is our job. And that's a great way to kind of wrap up what we've been talking about this week and even last week for the sake of the gospel this week. And last week was for God's sake. Now, the scriptures we covered today, just in case you want to revisit those, is Psalm 133. We were also in John chapter 17, verses 20 through 23, and also in 2 Corinthians chapter one, and we were looking at verses four through seven. You can go back over these. You can pour over these scriptures yourself and see what God's saying to you. But my friends, let's unify and let's see how God can really work through us as individuals and through our churches. And it's just going to be an amazing ride. It's time now for our testimony. Hey, it's Mark Bird with Time to Revive. I am out and about today again, and today I am having the privilege of sitting and chatting with Gary Robison. He is one of our team members in Mississippi, and the topic that we're talking about today, Gary has experienced in a great deal in multiple states out on the streets. And Gary, welcome to the program today. Thank you for inviting me, Mark. 
How do you explain to church leaders that we need to come together, not only for God's sake, but for the sake of the gospel? Wow. Well, listen, the example that I use was in Ohio. When there were somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 pastors standing on a stage, and one of the pastors spoke up and he said, you know, we're all suspicious of one another. Speaking of the churches and pastors, uh, you know, we want, we don't want to lose one of our good donors to this other church if they see something in this church that's not at our church or, or whatever. But th- this pastor, I remember him saying that, you know, we counsel people every week, but he says, who counsels us? There are things that happen as, in a pastor's life that sometimes we have to have, we have to turn to someone else for to talk to about. And he said, I have found friends on this stage that I never would have approached had it not been for time to revive. And and he went on to he went on to say the the deep relationships that he has already formed and and he was amazed that he had never taken the opportunity to get to know other pastors in the area for the cause of the gospel. And the other thing that strikes my heart real man this really gets me is the unity of the church. I put that right up there with the salvation situations that we have, because what God's emphasized to me is he's not coming back for the Baptist church. He's not coming back for the Pentecostal church, Presbyterian, or whatever else you want to name. He's coming back for a bride. And I'm sure that looking from heaven, getting ready to come down to address his bride, he doesn't want to find an arm laying over here and have to go over there for a leg. You know, he wants his church united. And I don't think, I think just we're just in a time in history right now, where, and everybody's wanting God to move, but I really don't believe God's going to move until he starts seeing unity in the body of Christ. Yeah, Gary, I couldn't agree more. And of course, that's um, that's the thing that we struggle with the most is trying to get the body of Christ and the leaders in the body of Christ to actually understand how powerful unity is in God's hands and how together, of course, Psalm 133 says, you know, that power is in unity and how good and pleasant it is when the saints of God dwell together in unity and he commands his blessing there. And Gary, all the time, it's so hard to explain, like you've said a couple times here, it's so hard to explain the power when we come together, when we lay aside our differences for the sake of the gospel. And the gospel, of course, Gary, as you know, is good news. For the sake of the good news to these people, you said you've met, they're hopeless, they're hurting, they're broken, they're wounded, they're they're dragging themselves through life, and they need nothing more than the good news. And can we, as pastors, as leaders, as as Christians, can we share for the sake of the gospel? Again, it's for God's sake, but for the sake of the gospel, can we bring and bear good news together? Gary, what's your thoughts on that? Well, the same thing that unites, the, the, the same thing that brings people to Christ is the same thing, is the same purpose of 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 the churches, and that's the gospel. And let's face it, I mean, the church is dysfunctional right now. Uh, in the county that that we live in, there's something like 65 to 70 percent of the churches that they say within the next, you know, 10 years probably won't even be open. 
And, and I, I believe that one of the reasons is they keep trying to build what they're trying to build on their own. They're not unifying and collectively going out. Here's, here's what I know. Here's what I know. One of the churches I've been involved in in the past uh, for 15 years tried this where they went out and they tried sharing the gospel with people. They had little door hangers, little uh, uh, scripts and things. And as they went out, your approach was, hey, my name is Gary from uh, ABC Church. And, and when you said that and met up with somebody and said that, you could see the walls go up. You could see the resistance go up in those individuals because they just thought you were trying to get them to go to their church or get their money. But when we go out on the street and we're sharing and we say, hey, this is Bob and this is Sue and this is Mary, and um, and uh, we're with several different churches in the area and we're just praying with folks, all that stuff's gone. And and so when we come together, unify the churches, and we, we actually find ways to do that, then then that's – and listen, the enemy's very good at what he does. He's been doing it a long time. And if he can keep these churches suspicious of one another – then he wins because he keeps us separated. And no no war is won by an individual soldier. It's in the masses. And that's what God's calling us to do is collectively go out. And and listen, if you want to see the enemy shaking his boots, go, go into a city like Elkhart or into the, some of the counties that you've done in, in, uh, in Ohio, and you really start seeing some some amazing things start to happen because of the unity of the church. And if some, and if we could just push our theology down just a little bit or push our denomination to the side and unite around, like you say, those five scriptures, it is amazing what, what can happen in a city. We've seen it. I have to agree because I have seen here when you have pastors meetings before your outreach week, they all are getting along and they're playing nice with each other. But then after the revive week, when they have actually done the work of God straight out there together, they all of a sudden there's this bromance. There's all this love between the pastors and they find that they are knit together. And, and it's just something super powerful, just exactly like you were saying. People don't realize the power of this unity piece and just laying aside, like you said, the, the doctrinal stuff and going after those five scriptures and just saying, we want to pray with you. And here's the, the truth about the gospel. I love how you're saying this. Yeah, I've seen it myself. Well, you know, who did Jesus have problems with? The people that should have known better. You know, so it's not unusual for us to face those same issues, and it's not going to happen in every city. But when they see it happen, when they see it happen, then that gives them confidence. You know, I, I, other than them seeing it work, I don't know I don't know how you can prove it to them. <laughs> so... Yeah, Gary, I'm I'm reminded in the last county we were just in, uh, I'm reminded that a gal came up to me and she says, you know, I'm 58 years old. I've been a Christian all my life. And she said, but I've realized this week of being with you guys, actually, her husband's a pastor. And she said, I've realized in my 58 years of life that I never really understood Christianity until I went out and took it to the people in our community. That was astounding. Amen. 
So, Gary, we really want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your day, your busy day of sharing the gospel and uh, spending the time with us and sharing your heart with us so that our listeners can sit back and begin to examine our motives and think, why do I do what I do and why do I live my life the way that I do? And the thing that we all do and have to look at, Gary, is I do this for the sake of God, for God's sake, and for the kingdom of his righteousness. Gary, thanks for joining us today, and I look forward to sharing with you some more here in the future. All right. Thank you. This is Mark Bird, and you have been listening to Time to Revive. Thanks for listening to Time to Revive. This show has been brought to you by Shine FM and Revive Ohio. More information about this program at ShineFMOhio.com. We're community-supported Shine FM.